0: Hey everybody, it's Zach Van Norman again coming to you with the Once Upon a Fan podcast and of course I have my co-host Amy with me. Hello Amy Darling.
1: Hello darling, how are you?
0: I'm doing fabulous today, although it's very, very rainy and wet in Seattle today, so there's not very much visibility, but other than that everything is, is fine. Enjoying, can't wait for Christmas in a couple of days.
1: Yeah, holidays. Good
0: stuff. Yeah, very much excited about that. So we have a lot to talk about in this episode, so we're just going to kick things right off with our regular news roundup. So, of course, let me bring up the notes here. First thing that we want to talk about is the big bad villain for the second half of Season 3 was revealed. Rebecca Mader will be playing the Wicked Witch of the West. And I have to say, you know, I'm pretty happy and excited about that, not only because I love... You know, Oz and the Wicked Witch as a character and, and everything. I mean, there's it's so exciting, the potential for this, but also because we called it right here on the podcast that it was going to be the Wicked Witch, you and I. So I have to say I've, I am feeling a little bit vindicated in my in our theories that we had. So I'm pretty excited.
1: <laughs> yes, I think it's amazing. You know how much I love Oz, and I know you do too. And that was our theory originally. And it was so funny when you and I were talking online kind of just coming up with bits of it. We were like, oh, my gosh, there's no place like home. Maybe she's going to be the Wicked Witch. And we were so hoping, and she is. And she's another lost alumni. So I I love that Adam and Eddie keep, you know, bringing these people in that have worked together before. I think it makes for really interesting TV when you get to see that. But I am over the moon excited about Wicked Witch coming
0: yeah, and I think it's funny that you say that, that you mentioned that about all the lost alumni who have been on Once Upon a Time because, you know, in uh, in the episode, what is, was it, The Stranger, I think, um, when August goes through, you know, the portal to our world, there is an Oceanic Airlines flight that flies over. So I think that it's just, it's almost like it's like a shared universe almost between that and the Tron universe and and everything else. I just love how it's kind of interconnected in that way. I think it's fun. So
1: Yeah. I I can't wait to see see Rebecca Mater.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I can't wait to see Rebecca Mater. She looks fabulous in green. Um so I I'm very excited to see her as the Wicked Witch. I I can't wait for this. I'm so excited for when it's gonna happen.
1: Can't
0: wait. Amy, what else happened in the news this week?
1: Well, it was Prince Charming's birthday this week. We had Josh Dallas's birthday. And I know there was a ton going on on Twitter with the, charm aside from the charm attack, but the- all the charming angels were trying to trend, happy birthday, Josh. So I know for several hours there, it was like my Twitter, I couldn't even keep up with it. That's how many people were wishing Scott the happy birthday. So I know that he did see a lot of it because he even mentioned how much birthday love he got. And um, if people have noticed that he's been absent, he and Jenny, um, they both posted on Twitter that they were going away for the holiday. So that's why um, people may not have seen very much from them lately, but they posted they were on their little holiday vacation. So hope they're having fun with that. But his birthday was this week, and of course we wish him a big happy birthday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I tweeted him a message this week too, myself. But of course, you know, we just want to say on the podcast here, too, happy related birthday to you, Josh Dallas. We hope that you had a great, fantastic day and that you and your soon-to-be wife, Ginny, are having a good time on your vacation. God, isn't that so cool to be able to say that? I like that he's, She's going to be his wife. I think that's just so sweet. I love their love story. I just think it's so awesome. Anyways. Perfect. Um, so let me see here. So the next thing that we've got to talk about is uh, just want to remind everybody that we are moving the podcast to Sundays um, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern to fill the void that was left by the hiatus. Um, we just, you know, want to make sure that or still has something to do on Sunday night, so we're happy to bring you the podcast on a different day. Um, of course, we will be moving back to, um, you know, another day of the week after the hiatus is over. Um, it may change from Tuesday. It's still up in the air. We will keep you posted. But, you know, just want to make sure that we let everybody know that for the next nine weeks, ten weeks, that we are going to be on... Um, on Sundays at 5 p.m., yeah, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you put all of that in your calendars. And uh, we also have some news about the auction. Amy, you want to bring that to us?
1: Well, because of some issues, and it's just glitches, it wasn't anything huge and major, we've had to postpone the Stand Up to Cancer charity auction that Once Upon a Fan is participating in. We still have, you know, all of the wonderful things that we've mentioned every week, that are going to go up for auction but it is going to take place now after the holidays so it will be in January and if you keep an eye out on either the website the Facebook page, the Twitter we'll keep putting out the details on that and the actual date when everything goes live So we did have to postpone it it was going to be this actually this past week but there were glitches and things that we just couldn't get worked out ahead of time so still coming but it's going to be in January now
0: All right, yeah, so there's that bit of news, too, and we want to um, welcome everybody who is in the chat room with us as well. Thank you all very much for joining us this evening. I see a lot of our regular listeners are in there, so, you know, glad to have you guys participating in there, too. Um, The other news that we have, too, just for us here on the podcast, we have created our own um, pages on Facebook as well as our – well, a page on Facebook, I should say, as well as a um, Twitter account. Specifically for the podcast, that we if we have any news, then you know you'll hear it from there, and then it will still be you know um, going up on the main Once Upon a Fan pages. So don't worry about missing out anything there. But we just want to let everybody know that you know we created these pages so that if there's something specific that anybody wants to talk about on the podcast every week, um, then you can let us know. You know, in a way that you know we have direct access to. Um, you know, a little bit more personal interaction with the listeners, so we want to make sure that we give everybody that opportunity. So our Twitter handle is at OUAF, which stands for Once Upon a Fan, podcast, and it's all together. So at OUAF, as in Frank, podcast. Um, So that's where you'll find us on Twitter. And then on Facebook, our page is Once Upon a Fan podcast. So that's what you would be looking for there. Um, You will... um, be able to find a link, I'm sure, to um, our Facebook page now on the main Once Upon a Fan page because we did put up the news about tonight's podcast um, there. So there's that as well. Um, And then we've got um, some – we've also figured out that for the next few weeks too, for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be doing some episode rewatches, kind of going back and looking at some of the favorite episodes that all of us fans have and kind of watching them and giving our, our feedback on that. And Amy, do you want to let everybody know about the first one and what we're going to be doing?
1: Well, what we've decided is that we're definitely going to get into the rewatch. and Zach and I went through and looked at some episodes that had some really big moments and really big impacts on a lot of the fans. So the 1st rewatch is actually going to be two episodes. We're going to do the pilot, and The Thing You Love Most, which is the episode that comes right after that. And Zach and I both mentioned before that those two episodes really kind of flow together. They almost seem like, you know, one long pilot because they tell so much of this great beginning story. So that is going to be our first rewatch. Now, next Sunday, we're actually not going to be podcasting. That's Zach and I's holiday, so... We won't be podcasting next week, but it will be the Sunday after, which is January 5th. We'll be back at the same time podcasting. So that gives everybody plenty of time to watch those episodes and then come back and we'll discuss the episodes, do a roundtable with all of you. And that's actually another great thing about the Once Upon a Fan podcast site and the Twitters that we started. One of the other reasons was because, after we're done talking to you guys every week, the chat vanishes from the actual podcast page where we're sitting and talking and chatting during the podcast. Other pages now is take things from that chat or pieces from the news that we discuss and we can actually put them on the podcast pages. So that way there's always a way to go back to it. So don't forget, all of the information we go over tonight is going to be on those pages. So if you forget what to watch, you know you can always go there and look. But it's going to be the pilot, and the thing that you love, the thing you love most, is our first rewatch.
0: Yeah, I'm very. Uh, it's going to be really interesting um, because, as Amy, as you and I have discussed before, we already know what's going to happen with these episodes. So going back and watching it from this point of view, you know, so far into the story, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I know that for myself, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for you know, any hints to anything that happened, you know, even this season. I mean, I can remember something even specifically right now, um, that there is a, you know, like a Tinkerbell lawn ornament when Emma and Henry arrive in Storybrooke. So I'm going to be keeping an eye out for different things like that and, uh, you know, seeing if there's anything else that we can find that might, you know, be a clue that Neverland... You know, it was, I mean, it seems like Neverland, some of the things in there, that it was always in the plan. But for whatever reason, it just, you know, had to wait a couple of seasons, which I'm happy they did because I'm a lot more invested in it now. So, yeah. Right. So there's all that stuff. So now that we've been talking about all of that, we've got all that stuff out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode review. Because uh, the winter finale of Once Upon a Time was mesmerizing, breathtaking, really take your pick. But it was just an incredible episode, and there is definitely a lot to discuss in that. So let's dig right on into our heels on this. So the very first thing, of course, that happens in the beginning episode is everybody is discussing how they're going to defeat Pan's curse, and that is in conjunction with um, Panry and Felix at the Magic Wishing Well. And, of course, Panry kills Felix and takes his heart to begin the curse. And I was actually surprised by that. I mean, I totally agree with, the reasoning behind it that love doesn't always mean a romantic kind of thing. But I remember thinking even last week, and Amy, you might have even mentioned it, how is he going to start the curse if he needs something that he, you know, the heart of the thing he loves most if he doesn't love anything? Right, right. Oh I like yeah. the
1: way that they yeah. did that, Amy,
0: too. Amy, uh, we should step back a second and make sure that we talk about something else that's going to happen on tonight's podcast, because
2: yes. even though we <laughs>
0: announced it, I kind of just totally glazed over it, just not thinking at all. So, Amy, go ahead and take the floor on that one, would you?
1: Well, I'm super excited, and I know Zach is too. You all know that pretty much every week we talk about Team 7, the seven dwarfs, and how much we just absolutely adore them. But we have a special guest tonight on the podcast. Meg Macario, who plays Bashful, is actually going to be calling in, and we're going to get a chance to talk to him. Um, some of you follow his blog spot, uh, him on Twitter and on Facebook. And he is just, un- he's about to undertake a really amazing, selfless, and beautiful journey. He's going to actually head over. the Philippines where they've had such devastation and really just hands-on, get in there and do whatever he can do to help these people that need it so badly. So we are going to talk to him tonight, and he'll be calling in probably in about 45 minutes. So we are so excited to talk to Mick. Love, love Mick. He's a wonderful person. We we had an opportunity to talk to him for a few minutes yesterday, and he's just a sweetheart. We're so thrilled to have him on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I was I was really glad to get the chance to speak with him yesterday. Um I it's a very important issue because it's still ongoing out there in that part of the world and it's not necessarily getting, you know, the kind of discussion that it still might need. And of course those of us in the once community have already proven ourselves to be, you know, the kind of people who care about, you know, humanity and things that are going on in the world. So we want to make sure that we give, you know, the this the attention that it deserves because as Oncers, you know, we figure that we can all come together and at least try to make a difference in some small way. So, yeah, we'll be talking to him, like Amy said, in about 45 minutes or so. So can't wait for that. Very excited for that part of the discussion. Okay, so now back to the episode. So Panry kills oh, – sorry, everybody. I totally glazed over that. All right, so Panry kills Felix and, yeah, takes the heart and starts the curse. Amy, your thoughts?
1: Uh I, like you mentioned, I wondered last week, what was he possibly going to take the heart of? And see, I did, I knew he didn't love Rumpel. That was kind of obvious. So I thought maybe it was going to be Felix. And poor Parker Croft. He has done such a fantastic job as Felix. And, you know, Felix was the only one who shows, you know, pan loyalty the whole entire time. And you know, this is what he gets for it. You know, he just gets his heart squished, gets to be part of the curse, and, you know, Panry even tells him, oh, you should be flatter. So I was like, oh, just cemented the fact that Pan was was no good and needed that time out we keep talking about.
0: Just completely twisted. He's so twisted. I mean, really, I thought Rumple and Regina were bad, but Pan, he really is just taken the cake for me as far as, you know, the worst villain on the show. He is just horrible, and, you know, kudos to, you know, the writers for crafting such an amazing character who makes me feel that way, and a lot of other people too, I know. And, you know, also definitely kudos to Robbie Kay for his fantastic performance this season because, I mean, he really, I know that week after week for all of us, he was just, you know, blowing us away, and he really did an amazing job of creating a totally different take on Pan um so really a lot of kudos to robbie Kay. I think it's a shame actually that we're not able to see more of the pan character i'm hopeful that there's a way that maybe they could you know bring him back even though i you know it's highly doubtful but you know i just i loved his version of peter pan and i would have loved to have seen more of him so um yeah that's what i have to say about that so
1: yeah definitely um
0: Yeah, so then more about this episode because it was just so fantastic. Next thing that happened is as they're all standing around in the graveyard, they're discussing, you know, how they're going to stop Pan's curse, and they bring up the Black Fairy's wand, which immediately caught my attention because Mm -hmm. the first Black Fairy that I think of when I think of, you know, Disney and fairies and things is Maleficent because Maleficent is actually a fairy. She's not a witch or anything else she's a fairy so that was the first that was my first thought that oh was it maleficent and was it her one but um i also kind of thought that maybe it wasn't going to fit the once upon a time version of maleficent because she wears purple and not a whole lot of black going on there so i wasn't quite sure if it would fit um but then after you know thinking about it i kind of wondered if you know there's like two possibilities in my brain for me on what I think would be cool for the Black Fairy, either the Wicked Witch of the West, which seems to be the obvious choice, or um, the Shadow. And when Blue and it was like a a male fairy, and when Blue banished him, he like became the Shadow and went to Neverland. I don't necessarily think that the Shadow one is that feasible. I just think it'd be cool. I'm more inclined to think that the Wicked Witch of the West was a black fairy. But I really hope that there's more to come on that character, whoever they were, because that's a really interesting bit of fairy history, and I'd like to see more of that.
1: Me, too. And, I mean, I, my first thought also is that it must be the Wicked Witch, and maybe that's how, you know, she belongs in fairy tale land. She was banished from there once to Oz, and that has something to do with now, you know, now she's back. That's gives her a reason to be in fairy tale land but part of me is hoping that the black fairy really is maleficent because i so badly want dory with regina and maleficent i posted on twitter today i was talking about it i'm like i don't care if they're just you know younger and being evil besties and going to the evil mall and hanging out, doing their evil nails, you know, what, I don't even care what the backstory is, I just want to see some backstory between Maleficent and Regina, because those two characters are fantastic, Disney version, original story version, once upon a time version, those have always been two of my favorites, so yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, and you know, with the thing you love most, since that's going to be our rewatch in two weeks, you know, it kind of it plays right into that. They have an established friendship. Regina says that Maleficent is her only friend. So I would like to see, right. kind of like what you said, like I'd like to see them, you know, doing their evil thing, getting their evil nails done at the evil you know, <laughs> mall. You know, like just Madam Mim or Cruella or somebody can just be sitting there doing their nails and they can all just be sitting around, you know, talking about how much they hate everybody. It would just be fabulous. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. So yeah. I just think that would be so cool um let me see i've got a lot of i have so many notes on this episode it's insane i don't even know what to say um let me see don't because i don't want to jump around i do want to go in chronological order like we usually do um oh angie did mention in the chat room too that there was an article that came out that said that um it's unlikely that the wicked witch of the west would be the black fairy which i think i remember reading that but i'm still gonna hope and you know have hope and have faith and that kind of thing that it's going to be the case. So, yeah. Um, Oh, and also, too, I love that Pan's curse, when he finally enacted it, was green instead of purple because it went with Peter Pan and his clothes. Like, I just thought it was such a cool touch. I thought that was neat.
1: I thought that was awesome, too. And, you know, instead of the purple, the dark black purple smoke that we get, it was green for Peter Pan. I was like, yes, of course it's green. It's Peter Pan. It's fantastic. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So I thought that was really cool. Um, So then in the flashback part of it, there was a bit of dialogue that actually goes with something that Regina said later on that I really want to talk about. Um, When snow and charming and the blue fairy are having their discussion about the curse and everything like that, the blue fairy says, one day when the time is right, our story will reveal itself to her, meaning Emma, you have to trust me. And then snow says our story, what does that mean? And blue says, I don't know yet. Now, I find it incredibly interesting and very intriguing, actually, that Blue, the Blue Fairy, is enacting a plan that she doesn't have all the full details on. And it makes mm-hmm. me wonder, you know, who, if anybody, she's partnered up with. I mean, it, it does give me a little bit of a thrill because I always had a theory that the Blue Fairy worked with, you know, Yen the sorcerer from Fantasia, to create mm-hmm. the book. And so, you know, it kind of, it does make me wonder if there's somebody else in on this. And then mm-hmm. later on... Regina says, you know, they'll all go back to being stories again after Emma and Henry leave town. And so those two things going together, you know, them being a story, I'm really intrigued by that and what that means.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. When Blue said she didn't know yet what it meant that the stories were going to reveal themselves, I thought instantly, you know, well because we thought before in a previous episode that when she said the fairies had to go prepare for the curse, we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, way before the podcast that that's what she probably meant, getting the stories and the book together. But obviously, if she didn't know yet, she must have had an inkling that she couldn't possibly have been doing this on her own or, you know, trying to get that. And then the book, you know, that happened in a flashback in this episode too. It showed up just where it had not been, or Snow even says she looked for it hundreds of times, and then it was suddenly there. Or she didn't look for it; yeah. but she went to her closet. So some that I don't know. That whole book, I can't wait to see more about what happened with that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really really you know interested to see what's going to happen with that because there's it's. You know, because, I mean, the final preparations that she was going to make, whatever that was, she, I always thought the same thing. You know, she's getting the book together. But for her to not know the manner in which the story would present itself, and then, like you said, the book just magically appeared, like, you know, that I know that had to have been the final preparation. But if she didn't know, then that means that there had to be somebody else in on it. So I'm right. really, really curious at that part of the story, and I can't wait to – you know, see if they're going to reveal that in the second half of season three. I certainly hope so. I don't want to wait another season to find out what's going to, you know, the story behind the book. So I'm really, really interested in that part too. So, yeah. Want to make sure we keep moving right along here because we're on a little bit of a time crunch. So, um, oh, the next moment that I loved because it happened right after that flashback was when Snow, when Snow and Emma are in the pawn shop and Snow's looking at the mobile of the unicorns and she tells Emma that it was going to hang above her crib and Emma says, I like the unicorns. Number one, I thought that was so sweet that she, you know, likes a mystical creature. Um, that, you know, like there's something about the fairy tale world that she does enjoy. I thought that was cool because so far, you know, it kind of seems like Emma's not really into the forest living. So, <laughs> um you know, I kind of assume that. So I love the fact that she likes the unicorns. But I also, it makes me think that somewhere in her, like, now that she and Henry have a different life, it makes me wonder if somewhere in her apartment maybe or something, unicorns will show up. And that will be, like, you know, something that she doesn't even realize is connected to her life. So
1: I, I, I just love awesome. that moment. Did I
0: thought it was sweet. Did
1: you notice that it seemed like the unicorn mobile was, Kind of really prominent in this episode. Like I feel like yes. it was so prominent that it's definitely going to come back in. Like maybe it's going to be, you know, like a talisman or a touchstone or something that holds memories. Because I, I mean, they showed it. It was hovering behind Pan when he was looking down on Rumple. There was the scene and the flashback of Fairytale Land, and there was. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me there was another scene, you know, where they're talking about it, too, and that mobile, it's just, it was so prominent, so, yeah, I think that's definitely going to come back into it. I think that may have something to do with Emma getting her memories back, either that or the dream catcher. I think one of those things is what's going to trigger it.
0: Yeah, that dream catcher is is definitely part of it too, um but yeah, that mobile there's there's I'm hoping that somewhere along the way unicorns pop back into the story in in emma 's part of it because I just think, like you said, it'll be you know just another connecting thing that maybe jump starts from memory or what have you um, yeah, I'm really interested in that also there are so many things in this episode that have raised so many more questions now,
1: you know in ways that I wasn't
0: expecting, so that and that's one of them um. Let me see. So, the oh, the next thing. Okay, so when we see the flashback of Hook in Neverland with Smee, and then Tink knocks, him, knocks out Smee, and then, you know, she talks to Hook. You know, Hook mentions how, you know, he's trying to find magic in order to leave Neverland, and it really got me thinking, like, how did Hook leave Neverland? Like, Like, how did he get out of there to end up, you know hanging out, whatever he was doing. Like, I really want to know more about how Hook got from point A to point G, so to speak. Like, I, I want to know.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because he didn't have magic. He was hunting for it. And, that, you know, you, you, apparently nobody can leave Neverland unless Pan allows it. He even said to Neil this season earlier that he, he sort of hinted that he really didn't escape you know, that Pan kind of intended for him to leave. So, you know, and I we don't know if he was lying or if, you know, Neil really did escape on his own by capturing that shadow, but, you know, somehow he left. Hook managed to leave Neverland and that scene with him and Tink, you know, when they were having that rum, you kinda of got the feeling that, you know, oh, they were gonna kind of have a little something there. <laughs>
0: So. yeah exactly so and also too t- with hook and pink more tinker hook please thank you very much that's all i'm going to say on that those two need to end up together i've said it before i'll say it a million times it's those two for sure tinker hook for the wind um all right so i do want to get to another point really quick because we have another staff member who wants to chime in and uh you know talk about rumple sacrifice so In the episode, of course, after uh, Rumpel returned Pan and Henry to their original bodies, um, you know, he he put the cuff from Greg and Tamara on Pan. Pan, you know, switched it and put it on Rumpel because he made it. Uh, They had their confrontation, and then, you know, there was the big scene in the street where, you know, he sacrificed himself. So I'm going to bring our beta editor, Teresa Martin, on the line, and hopefully... We'll bring her on here in just a moment.
3: Hey, Zach, can you hear me Jeff now? Yeah. Yes, there you are. Hi. Uh, okay. Hey, great. Yeah. Um, I actually I'm. I am both tonight. I I am sort of Teresa Martin, but I am really Lori Fitzgerald without her awesome accent. She wanted to call in, but she wasn't able to because of family obligations. So I have some notes that uh, she has um, that goes along with Rumpelstiltskin's Sacrifice. Um, There's some work that we're actually doing with Origins, Laurie and I. Um, We're going to go through the entire arc of Rumpel leading up to that. And one thing that she wanted to talk about is about how his anti-hero, the fact that Rumpel is such an anti-hero, and that his personality traits, as they've been coming out throughout the entire arc, about the fact that even though he says at the very end, I am a villain, that Rumple still is not a villain. He has villainous traits. He has done some things, but ultimately he is not a villain because he is an anti-hero because a villain is Pan to the end. He's a villain, but uh, Rumpelstiltskin has shown throughout uh, a higher, nobler um, calling as he goes throughout, that, and that's what makes him an anti-hero. Even if his his actions are wrong they always have a, a good reason and ultimately he he never crosses that horrible line um and he never um like he'll never kill a child he'll never kill an innocent he won't do what pan does and the like and that, that prepared him then for that ultimate sacrifice which was what he did um when he <laughs> when he gave his life right there on the streets of Storybrooke and broke everybody's heart. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to say a few things about that, about, you know, as it kind of worked through, uh, Zach or Amy.
1: I'm just, I'm curious why, I mean, it was a very Harry Potter moment. I know he kind of accepted yeah.
3: it as
1: <laughs> his fate, but is that why he, I mean, why Rumple had to die in order for Pan to die? I wasn't. 100% clear on that, and I almost feel like maybe it's because he just resigned himself to that's what his fate was, so that's what it had to be. But was it asked what did you think about that? Because that was really, that was one of the most emotional moments, obviously, in the entire episode was when that happened. Yeah. But what did you think about you know, it?
0: Well, first got to say that um, <laughs> when the to kind of back up for a second before we get to the street scene, when he was still in the pawn shop and he grabbed the sword and he was going to cut his hand off,
1: yeah, well, at least so. I thought so,
0: um, I really thought that it would be so kind of poetic justice, actually, if he had to cut off the same hand that he had taken because from Hook, Hook in order to... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that that would have been really fun, but then I liked the fact that instead of, you know, like I'm sure that, you know, in Rumple's mind, he was thinking about hobbling himself, you know, on the battlefield and everything else. And so when he decided to do the brave thing and actually go into battle and, you know, fight and, you know, do the right thing, you know, I I do prefer that they did it that way. I just, you know, I thought for a second, he was just going to kind of hook himself, so to speak. And <laughs> that would be kind of a thing. But, uh, that, but for the street scene, when he actually did sacrifice himself, um, I thought that was so, I mean, just like what Teresa said, it was so tragic and heartbreaking that that it happened um it was kind of i mean i was just i was glued to the television really i was captivated by it's probably the, the best word that i can use because it was i was something that it was just such an amazing scene and and it was very harry potter too i agree with you amy i felt it was almost like in that moment i was like oh my god like Rumpel is totally the Snape character in this story. Like, he's the one who, you know, is doing the right thing for all these noble, just causes. And and actually, even though it was horrible, the curse and everything else, the reason behind it, you know, and with what Teresa was saying, too, you know, that making him the anti-hero. Like, I just, I loved that part of the arc of the story. Um, I kind of love that. I mean, I wonder, it does make me wonder if that is what, you know, if that has undone the dark powers and that they no longer exist. You know, I wonder if, you know, Rump, I mean, I'm, we've talked about it privately on staff. I really think that Rumpel is going to have like a Gandalf moment and come back. as like, you know, Rumpel yes. the gold. Yeah, so that speak, is exactly so to speak. what I was about
1: to say. I think that, I I don't think that he's gone for good, which, you know, we're pretty certain he's not. I think that this may be the end of the Dark One and like Gandalf went from Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White, I think we're going to get a new, he's still going to be powerful. I think he, I hope he still, you know, kind of makes deals and things and still has that savvy, smart, little bit, you know, crossing the line between good and evil kind of thing. But I think we are going to see like a resurrection or a rebirth of of rumples of Gold or Rumpled the platinum edition, whatever he's yeah. going to come back as,
3: but yeah, yeah, and that's the part that um, I'm doing in in the project, which is about where does Gandalf actually come into that? And that for we all know that Gandalf, he does come back, but he's not um, a divine person. He's not a Christ figure. And even Tolkien, I have a quote from Tolkien, and he could be talking about Rumpelstiltskin and how Rumpelstiltskin will come back. Tolkien said this about Gandalf. He said, he, Gandalf, or for us, Rumpel, faced and suffered death and came back or was sent back, as he said, with enhanced power. And then he says, I am only concerned with death as part of nature, physical and spiritual of man and with hope without guarantees. So he is keeping that human part of him and hope without guarantees. That's what keeps us human. I love the fact that they kept talking about hope, but you don't know if anything good's going to come out of it. So I think we're going to keep that gray area with Rumpel, and I'm really looking forward to that the same way Gandalf did. And I think I know how Rumpel's going to come back if they do follow Gandalf. Gandalf showed up in a forest. Where are they all after heading out to? They're after heading out to the Enchanted Forest. That's where the rest of the gang are. That's what I think is going to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I don't by. think
1: Rumpel's going to be like a god or anything like that. No. He'll have divine powers. I just think he's going to still have powers. They're going to be awesome, and he's still going to. Yeah, Peter Pizza says, you shall not pan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was like where the me. Oh, yeah, yeah like I, think, far, I yeah, think he'll be back.
0: For, yeah, for me, I mean, he's definitely going to be back. I mean, I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be. But what I would love to actually to see at this point for his character is to see the, like, rumple the good, so to speak. Like, I would love if when he comes back, like, Amy, I like your idea of him making deals and everything. I think it would be mm-hmm. so cool if when he does come back, he's making deals, but it's like, not in the evil way like it's more of a yeah i do want to help you but there's a price to this magic so here's what i have to do like if he if he became the the old you know wizard character that you know everyone seeks out for good stuff i think that would just be such like an awesome the of and, yeah almost yeah well yeah maybe maybe Uh-oh. you never know <laughs> but i uh, <laughs> but i just i think that it, i just think that would be so awesome for his character and i i just yeah, at this point, I, I can see. That, you know, that would be a great thing for Rumple. So I, I'm, I just like with everything else, you've heard it many times tonight, folks. I am very excited and very interested to see where it's going to go next because I'm, I've got to know now. Like there's so many. This changes the story in a major way.
3: Definitely, definitely. I can't wait. Okay, right. well, so, um, um, <laughs> that was all that we had. All um. Sit back and enjoy the rest of you having to have a fantastic night. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you too.
0: Thank you for joining us. Thanks for bringing us the notes. All right. So thank you again to Teresa for, for uh, joining us and having those notes on the antihero because they are, you know, it, it does very much go with Rumpel's character. And I love that that quote from Tolkien. I think that was a great touch too. So awesome. Totally fantabulous. All right, so the next thing here that I want to talk about, too, because we were talking about um, Hook and Tinkerbell, and I want to go back to Tink for a second, because she believed in herself and defeated the Shadow and brought Blue back to life in the process. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it because I freaked out when they killed her in the first place, and now that she's back and Tink is flying and she got her wings, you know, I mean, I'm just, I love the whole thing. So glad that that whole thing was resolved. Loving that whole part of the story.
1: Yeah, I was glad that Keegan was back. But honestly, I didn't think for a minute that she was really dead and off the show. I, you know, I didn't see a whole lot from her on Twitter. And I kind of felt like if she really was gone, she, there would have been a ton of, you know, oh, it's been great. Sorry. See you soon. You know, stuff like that. But everything seemed really quiet, you know, after that. So I, I, didn't think she was going to stay dead for very long. And, boy, when she came out of that coffin, she was just all of a sudden right there. I was like, whoa, zombie, hold on a second. So, yeah, she, uh, she came back pretty quick. But I thought it was awesome that it was because of Tink, after, especially after how rude she was to Tink the episode before.
0: Yeah, but she did say too that you know perhaps I may have been a little strict. Like, well, really, you think so? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I uh, so. just a little bit there, Blue. Oh my gosh, like yeah. Yeah, she took her
1: wings while Pink was midair and dropped her flat on her butt. I mean, you know, don't even wait for her to get on the ground or anything. I was like, yeah, Blue, not exactly your
0: not exactly your nicest moment there, Blue Fairy, for crying out loud. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> so we yeah, love yeah so there's that.
1: <laughs> we do love Pia. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, I love it. There's that. And also too, one small thing that I noticed, um, if there's a scene, it's the scene in the pawn shop when Rumple is doing the spell to switch their Pan and Henry's bodies. After mm-hmm. he's successful, and Emma says, "Let's go find our son, and everybody's getting ready to leave." When Neil is on his way out, he touches Rumple's shoulder just briefly, yes. just briefly, on the way out. And I, I just thought that was such a great touch. I mean, well, literally and figuratively. Like I just thought it was such a cool saying that, you know, it's kind of showing that, you know, he's okay with his dad and that there's been some resolution there. And it it really just made their relationship feel, you know, more, you know, like prepared, like there's, there's been some resolution there. So I was, I was, I loved that little touch. I thought it was great.
1: Me too. I I felt like that kind of sealed what happened on the ship, how, you know, they had that moment where, and Neil told him, no, you're not like your father, you know, you you love me, you came for me, and then, you know, they hugged and he called him Papa, which was a fantastic moment, probably one of my favorite moments for those two characters through their whole interaction, but yeah, that little touch, it was just like, you know, he still feels this way, we're not going back to, you know, that that discord between the two, that there's been a repair and a healing here in this relationship, so... I was like, I thought
0: that was great. Yeah, loved it. Just thought it was gorgeous. All right, so then, of course, the next thing that happened in, you know, the episode was we saw the flashback, finally, finally, and I'm so happy about it, to where Mary Margaret first gave Henry the book. And I thought it was such a great scene because, really, I haven't seen And, you know, please, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really recall – Snow White or Mary Margaret either one of them having a scene with Henry and if they did it certainly wasn't like that so right. it was I thought it was just, I mean well we saw Snow holding baby Henry in the last episode but you know I, I I just I thought that was so I was like finally we're getting some you know a moment between them and I thought it was so cool that you know when he's looking in the book and she's telling him that it magically appeared when he looks up and he sees Snow White in her wedding dress. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, oh, it was such a great moment.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was right after he looked at the baby blanket, and you know, he sees the word Emma, and he's got the book. He looks up. He sees Snow as that, and it almost made me think about how the writer said that in the first episode, Rumpel didn't actually have his memories until he heard Emma's name, so I wondered if, Maybe that, you know, seeing Emma's name or seeing the actual text of the book even was the thing that kind of opened his eyes and really made him think, wait a second, you know, something is not right here.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of the same thing, like, you know, with Rumple it goes into the same thing, just like you said, and they're, you know, grandfather and grandson. So it's just a great mirror thing for them to for that like when he sees emma to think you know i need to search for my birth mother because Mm -hmm. you know as far as we could tell because he says in that scene my birth mother didn't love me and then regina doesn't either so i really want to see and i it does make me think that him hearing you know seeing emma's name in the book is what brought him from the point of my mother you know my birth mother didn't love me to i need to search for her i mean something had to have happened to get him from one mindset to the other and it totally makes sense if it was the book.
1: So Yeah, I feel um, like that is gonna be the trigger that made him realize that, you know, no one else was aging except for him and there you know, nobody's changing. He was the only one. You know, I, f- I feel like that's, you know, gonna be what it turns out to be that that, that book or seeing her name, one or the other was somehow the trigger for that. And that's what the catalyst that got all that started.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it would be so cool if that is, you know, the case. And I also want to say, too, just like a, a quick kind of behind-the-scenes note, there's been so much speculation about Jennifer Goodwin's pregnancy and, you know, how big the baby bump is. We've all been seeing those articles, I'm sure, online. And what I loved is that they had that big coat on her that made it seem like there was a big bump and then when she's in the wedding dress she's not that she doesn't really look that pregnant so i just i i love that it's like a game of you know trying to figure out exactly <laughs> how far along she is i yeah. just, i, could, I yeah. couldn't help but notice that i was just like well that's that's a cool touch it's totally just you know playing with everything so
1: I Even thought my that was husband neat. was like, wow, the costuming is really great. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I want all of her coats. They're <laughs> fabulous. They hide everything.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So I just, I thought that was fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. it's good times. Um, the, okay, so also, too, really quick to kind of step back for a second before Rumple sacrifices himself. One of the things that Pan says to Rumple before he switches the cuff and all that is he calls Rumple a little larva and all these other things. And it was really, yeah. I was just, God, you are so twisted. Like, it really just mm-hmm. plays into the fact that he is the worst father, like, parent ever. Um, so, yeah, it was just, th- that moment itself, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you you need to go now. Like, you're done. Here's, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're done.
1: That yeah. moment almost oh. made me friends. I mean, he and the Sultan from Wonderland, obviously, we talked about that last week. He, you know, he's drowned his own son. The those two, father of the year right there, they're vying back and forth for it because that scene with Pan and Brumple really literally almost made me cringe how he was—he had nothing good to say. He was calling him a larva and from the time he was born he was sucking his life and it was all about, you know, me, 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 not what you expect. You know, yeah. when you have a baby, everything becomes about them and all this, you know, person could think about was, Oh great! You know now I can't go out and party. And the whole time I was thinking, well, you know he didn't
3: uh,
1: impregnate his mother on his own there, so you know this, this this is not his fault. But yeah, that that was just horrid for him.
0: Yeah, I and you know it really does make me think. It made me think too, and maybe this will be one of the characters that were hinted at because a couple I don't even know how a couple of weeks ago. It was hinted, you know, they said that Henry's family tree is going to grow by two more places. And, of course, the scene with the book included Henry looking at a piece of paper about my family tree.
3: And I really want to know
0: who Rumpel's mom was. Like, I really need to know that information. I don't know why I have such a burning desire to know this, but I I just, I I need to know about this woman. And, first of all, how she could fall in love, or maybe not, maybe, oh, you know what, maybe, oh, that would make, you know, that would make Rumple even more the Snape character if they didn't really love each other when they had Rumple. because, oh, yeah, okay, I like it. So, yeah, anyways, I need to know who his mom is just because I'm curious. Anyways, uh, we need to move things right along because we've only got 15 minutes left or so until we're joined by Mig, and I want to make sure that we talk about the finale because those scenes by themselves I could talk about for hours. So um, after Rumple sacrificed himself, of course, you know, came the scenes in the street where oh, my goodness, Emma had to go. Um, You know, the curse was coming, and the only way to stop it was, you know, Emma had to take Henry and leave town, and that – that oh, my gosh. I can't – Amy, you want to start with how you feel about that one? Because I think I still need to formulate something on that.
1: (laughs) From that part on to the end was just one – I feel like I had, like, five heartbreaks between that scene and the very end. Because Emma, when they tell her she has to go, and she's like, but I just got here, you know, we just found each other, and you're just, I mean, she really was just getting to the point where she's really feeling a connection to her parents that we've seen in these little, really beautiful moments that we've noticed in the past couple of episodes, so it was really sad for her, and for Regina, too, I've, love Regina, everybody knows I'm a huge evil regal, but she just, I mean, she told them, you know, with was her sacrifice, and Henry asked if she was going to be okay, and she had to tell him, well, the important thing is that you will be, and she, you know, she was ready to take on that sacrifice, but Emma and her parents there realizing that they aren't going to be able to be together and they're not going to be able to be this family that they thought. That was just heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, and it really played into when, you know, when Snow had told, when Mary-, when Mary Margaret, rather, had told Henry when she gave him the book that happy endings aren't always what you think they will be. And then, you know, when, she, when Regina said that she had to go and then Snow says it too, you have to go, and she said, well, I just found you. It's like, yes, yeah, so and now it's time for you to leave us again it's time for you to believe in yourself and to find hope and all that stuff. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, because, because Snow had just said earlier in the show, uh, during the mobile scene that giving Emma up before the curse was the hardest thing she'd ever had to do. And then she's sitting there having having to tell her this time, you have to go, like you have to leave. And then when Emma says, you know, but we're a family. And then Snow said, yes, and we always will be, you gave us that. Like, it was so, like it's so many things. There were so many layers to this because it was like a reverse of the first curse. Oh, wow, I kind of rhymed there without meaning to. Um, but yeah, it was it was a reversal because this time Emma was going to be the one cursed, so to speak, with no memory, while the rest of them would remember everything. And
1: right.
0: you know, like it was just it was such an awesome turnaround on that. But at the same time, I was like, you know, really, like kind of what what Emma said. She just found them, like. She just found them. Like, they just got back from Neverland. I mean, oh, my God. Like, really, this is happening? And then, you know, it comes back from commercial, and it's the scene where they're at the town line, and they're having to say goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Like, like, there were so many layers to that scene as well. I mean...
1: That scene was absolutely crushing for me. I watched that episode three times, all three times, That's the scene where I cried. And it was not just all the, you know, the dialogue and the things that happened in it. It was the silent moments. Oh, my gosh. When they're all standing there and Emma and Henry go to leave and everybody just looks so sad and Foskino, Debata who plays Sleepy, He just looks up, and he really slowly is waving goodbye. Waving,
0: yes. Oh, my God. Broke my heart.
1: Yes, I was so sad. And then the whole thing with Regina telling Henry, you know, you don't – I don't get a happy ending. You heard Mr. Gold. You know, I'm a villain. And him telling her, you're not a villain. You're my mom. And –
0: that, that, I was oh like, my oh, my God, that. Yes. Yeah, that I was, was like, okay, somebody pass me the Kleenex, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then I loved, which I was, supposed to, normally, I'm a swanfire girl, but I felt like the chemistry in that scene was with, like, through my tears, I was like, oh, hmm, with with Emma and Hook, because he told her, you know, there won't be a day that I don't think about you, and she was like, oh, good. I was like, ooh. <laughs> There was a little uh, yeah. little fire
0: right there for a second. Yeah, I hate that, too, because I actually thought, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting, and he kind of makes Emma happy. And then I was like, wait, no, you're not Neil at all. Like, go away, pirate. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Get away from the one, princess. Like, you're out of your mind. But, I mean, yeah, that whole thing, and, you know, when she says goodbye to Neil and he says, you know, I'll see you again, like, he still has hope that, you know, they can, that he'll find, oh, my God, just, oh, yeah, that. And then... Okay, so then when they're actually saying goodbye and Regina comes over and she tells Emma that she can give her a new life with new memories and it'll be like she never gave Henry up and they'll have always been together. I, I mean, really, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I had, I had never wanted Regina to have a happy ending until, you know, she was reading the fairy tale. But mm-hmm. that moment actually has surpassed that as like, okay, somebody... First of all, somebody get Lana Paria and Emmy. And second of all, um, somebody needs to get Regina a happy ending on the double. Like, on the double. Like, pronto. Like, somebody get a drill sergeant out into the Enchanted Forest on the double and get Regina her happy ending because the woman, like. a happy ending. (laughs) Seriously. Like, bring to the queen her happy ending. Now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it needs to happen because for her to do that, first of all, is an amazing growth for Regina as a character and as a person and as a mother and, you know, so many other things. I mean, it was, well, it was even just amazing. she said
1: it in this episode. She told Emma, she said, you know, it's funny. When you first came, all I wanted you to do was get the hell out of my town, leave me and my son, or leave me to raise my son. And now, you know, in this huge twist, she again, wants her to get the hell out of town, but for a totally different reason. Now, she wants her to be with Henry. She's making the sacrifice, so Henry doesn't have to be alone, even though if that means she can't be his mom, she's going to send them and do what's right for Henry.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, I love that scene. And then... When Regina says that they have to go and she's looking at Henry, like, you know, I realize, like, for Regina, that, she's thinking, I mean, this is the last time she's ever going to see him. So, right. you know, she's hugging him and saying, you know, you've got to go. The curse will be here any minute. And then she hugs him. And then, you know, they, you know, they, they part. And then it shows Emma. And she's looking around. And right before the scene cuts, Emma lets, mm-hmm. she takes, has this little tiny intake of breath like she's about to start crying. And I was, I mean, Jennifer Morrison in that moment was just, I mean, that totally, like, my heart already wasn't broken enough. That moment just stomped it all to pieces. I mean, it might as well have been turned to dust and used to cast a curse because, it was, there was nothing left of it. It was just, you know, on the floor and done. Because that little intake of breath, and you could tell, like, I mean, I would imagine that she's thinking, my God, I'm, I have to leave, and I'm, I'm not going to know my parents again. Like, I just found them, and I'm going to forget them all over
3: and all then that again. totally
0: i mean just exquisite beautiful moment when snow walks over and puts her hands on her face and kisses her on the forehead okay first of all
1: yeah.
0: that scene totally mirrored broken in such a beautiful way i mean she i mean snows even they're even wearing the same clothes like mm-hmm. it was just it was so beautiful and then with the light like just over their heads you know just kind of barely there like the light of hope is still oh my god that scene just that i think that that was probably i mean you know everybody knows how much i love emma but on a technical level and on everything else that was my favorite scene of the entire episode
1: i love that too and it also speaking of oz it reminded me of how in the book the good witch would actually kiss the forehead of dorothy and it was like protection for her So it made me think of that, like maybe it's going to be a little bit to it. But it was so sweet between mother and daughter and, you know, them. And then the moment when they all got enveloped in the smoke, that was when I was just bawling. When they're driving away and you can see in the background that, you know, everybody's standing there just so sad and they all just get covered in the smoke and then they're gone. I was like, oh. yeah,
0: Yeah, and I have to say, too, in that in that sequence, I mean, not that it's not always beautiful, but Mark Isham's score in this episode yeah. was a standout, uh, particularly in those scenes. It was just beautiful. I mean, I could listen to that piece of music, I mean, for hours, I think, because it's just so, it has so many things going on to it. There's the sadness, and there's yet the hope that there can still be a happy ending, and you know, just I mean all the goodbyes and just oh there was so much to it. The music was really I mean, oh my god, I I yeah, want that piece of music so bad. Like I must have it. Yeah.
1: Mhm. Yes. It was gorgeous. And also too another it.
0: thing another thing that I noticed that I want to bring up too, and Amy I mentioned it to you privately. That moment when after Emma and Henry get in the car and they start to drive away and it show you know, and it does that pan across where you see all the characters and and you know, Foskey does the wave and everything else. Um, when, it, when, that, when that shot, particular shot, ends, it ends on Snow White and Regina standing next to each other. And I was really struck by the fact that this is a mother and daughter, even if it's a stepmother, stepdaughter situation, it's still a mother and daughter
3: mm-hmm. looking at
0: their children, saying both of them saying goodbye to their children at the same time knowing yes. that that is what's going to be best for both, you know, best for both of them. And right. I I was just, I, oh, my God, I loved it. And you know, because they, they were both
1: suffering the same pain at that moment, standing next to each other, Snow watching her daughter leave, and Regina watching Henry leave. They were both, you know, these women who had for a long time had nothing in common and hated each other and now they're both standing there together and suffering the same pain together. I thought it was such a huge quiet just simple moment. It was so beautiful.
0: Yeah and it was great and then of course there was the hook at the end which we'll get to in just a moment because um, we are about to be joined by Asheville himself, Meg Macario. So I'm going to bring him on the line. Meg, are you there?
2: Yes, I am. Hi, everybody.
0: Hi, Meg. Hi, uh, thank you. So thank you so much you Anna, again for joining us
2: tonight. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to be able to uh to chat with you guys and to talk about um my upcoming trip to the Philippines uh on top of uh, everything else. A few other things we're gonna probably chat about today.
1: So you're
2: like, yeah, you're leaving definitely. tomorrow, right? I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm just some packing. Uh, I just realized Ziploc bags are your best friend. When,
1: uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but I'm excited. It's finally hitting me. Like, you know, I've been telling everybody, I'm going, I'm going. Just getting hot putting all this stuff together and my boarding pass and my passport. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going.
1: It's becoming real. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We think it's such an amazing thing that you're doing. And we definitely want to talk about that, but we just, we wanted to let you know, and everybody that's listening in the chat room is just, you know, they're all so excited that you're joining us because you're such a big Mm -hmm. part of the magic that we all feel for the show we all love team seven and feel like that's such a classic piece of that magic that takes everybody back mm. when you guys are on screen with snow. It's just, you know, has that, I mean, does that kind of translate to you guys on, on set? Do you, is it, do you feel that the way the fans feel like this is something really special?
2: Oh, for sure. I, I, I mean, during the pilot, I mean even more so the fans are part of the magic for sure, but um few anecdotes about, you know, the pilot When we all first together Well, first, you know, during the audition process um, There was this six... I already knew Gabe, as some people know I uh, We went to high school together And, uh, you know, took drama club together And um, so there's a history there We worked on Santa Baby 2 uh, I know uh, Faustino Because worked with me for a while because I, I used to teach acting, so we worked for a few months together. Um, I knew from different places, but, and Jeff is really actually the only one, and Lee was the only one I didn't know. But what we really um, tried to do in the beginning uh, as well was I made sure that we all kind of got together for lunches each other because, you know, we're brothers, so that was a really important part of making sure that... That translated on screen, and um, one of the favorite stories I love telling because it is so magical. And there's a lot of real life magic um, behind the scenes that goes on um, that you know that translate in, in, into the show. So the pilot, um, I think a few people have heard this before, but um, the day we have snow in the coffin, Charmin rides in, um, and and you know we're all really sad. Uh, the day they were like, like out of nowhere, <laughs> snow starts falling. We get Jenny, we get Jenny in the tree, like in the coffin, and, and snow starts falling. And that in that moment, there's so much. We so we really did. Um, and even that's just even magic we, that you
1: can't script. That's that's just like so no. perfect of a moment.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the other things is the time so makeup that was a great time too. you know we were we had another like I, you know I'd see what these guys look like in real life and the transformation team. and we hadn't met Lee yet and all of us got together and we like, were out of the corner and we're like oh my gosh you know <laughs> that's the first time <laughs> team 7 got together and smiling and so excited and some of the makeup people and and the, and then, you know, and then in this season was, we call it the Bambi, (laughs) the Bambi incident, Um, we were filming and, you know, there's a crew of 100 people beside the summer and this deer starts walking towards us. And if I were with you, I'd be running away from like like these strangers, they've got, you know
1: the strange equipment.
2: But it it was not afraid of us and then it got closer and then, you know, everybody said, Let's shoot this. Let's shoot this. We don't know if it's gonna get in, but let's shoot it and we shot it. It, it, we didn't think it was going to make the cut, and it made the cut, and everyone was like, "How did you get? Because that's supposed to be Bambi or something." I know people are asking Eddie and Adam, They're like, you know, and they're like, Eddie and Adam, like, you know, we could never afford that. It just happened, you know. I see a lot of eagles all the time when we're on set. We always see like, I think, you know, we probably counted maybe about twenty or thirty eagles, you know, on set, even in, during the winter finale. Um, that everybody just saw there was there were eagles flying overhead we were just wishing well oh, we got to get into the shot but i think they were just kind of keeping away from us too so yeah a lot of real life magic that translate and then everyone everyone's love for the show and love for team seven I, we feel it we feel it and i also feel you know great love i mean from twitter and facebook just such support um about what's uh, been happening in the philippines and and my upcoming trip
0: yeah, yeah, and speaking yeah, of that, Meg, yeah, we want to make sure that we, that we, you know, get into that, too, because we want to make sure that everybody knows about it. Um, Amy, I know that you sure. have some facts prepared for us about the, the typhoon, so if you would like to share that with everybody.
1: Well, Meg has, you know, he's got the details of what he's doing. And also, just so everybody knows, Meg's going to mention a few organizations and things during this interview And the names and links and all of that will actually be on the podcast pages after the podcast. So we're going to make sure everything gets put up. So we definitely want to know what Oncers can do. But
3: back in November,
1: there was a massive, massive typhoon. And I'm sure a lot of you saw it, but it seemed like it kind of got covered for about a week or two. And in the last few weeks, there really has not been much about it, TV. But the fact is, you know, this storm was so huge and caused such devastation that it's not like a couple of weeks cleaning up and then, you know, you're right back at it. These were coastal towns and, you know, millions of people. They're they're estimating 11 million people have been affected. A lot of these people had very, very little to start out with and now they have nothing, like not even necessities and Food and medical care, I mean, it's just, it's not something that's gone away. And we wanted to really help Meg because this is important to him and this is mm. something that we feel like the ONCE community can come together and really try and make even every difference, no matter how small, is a difference. And if you're, you can do something positive, we feel like we should. And um, Right now they're saying the death toll has topped. Over six thousand, there are over a thousand missing, and there are 3.9 million people that were left homeless by this typhoon. And in that region, though, just the way weather works, you know, it's going to eventually happen again. So Meg's going to let us know what you know he's doing on his trip over there, the things that he's going to be involved with, and then hopefully, kind of let us know what we can do here. To help support him and to support this rebuilding in the Philippines.
2: Great, great, wow, well researched. Thanks, Amy. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah so, well, you guys, I'll give you. You guys will get. You'll, you'll get the um, information on the website, but I'll talk about it and then also my blog if you want to keep up to date. My goal is to try and get something out to you guys whether it's some photos or a video blog or somebody, local story. Um, the main point of it is, like, one of the reasons is I want to really promote volunteerism. Uh, y- you know, you may not be able to go now, but this is a long-term project, and these organizations that I work with, the NGOs, Visions.org, agorabrot.com, and um, promote that. It's also, if you go into school, that ends up being school credits. It just gives you an opportunity to see, what another part of the world is like, and it was very—it was amazing to see all these. It was a wide age range, mostly millennials. So you know, everyone's you know moaning and, and and complaining about millennials, but most of these were kids between 16 and their 20s, going out there and doing something and and feeling you know making relationships and having a, a wonderful time, but growing from it as well. Um, it's also just to let everybody you know, this is a long term. Um, project. It's going to take three to five years for people to get lives back to normal. And they want to do it right this time rather than just, you know, you build something, it gets destroyed, you build something, it gets destroyed again. Because this is actually the 25th typhoon of the year. That's why a lot of people didn't really um, understand. Uh, And again, I think the word storm surge was misunderstood and misused. If they had used the word um, uh, tsunami because nobody ever um, experienced 195 mile per hour wind sustained, then people would have done something different. That's why that's how a lot of the deaths happened. If you weren't hurt or killed by walls falling apart, it was the water that you know drowned a lot of the uh, the people in, in the in the Visayans. Um, so you know whether if, if you can't help now. You know, think about in the future, and think about that. You know, that five dollars, that cup of coffee, and I think Zach was mentioning when we were having a conversation. That's just a cup of coffee, but that five dollars is is uh, a week's worth of rice for a family. So you don't, you may not think, ah, oh, you know, I'm only it's only a little bit. I can't give a lot. That's helpful. Also, by spreading the word, you know, retweeting the stuff that I do. It's all about. This could happen to anybody just imagine that happening to your to your neighborhood because it can it can happen to anyone take the second to think about that, you know, and and then you'll 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 find, um, you know, a ways and a means to do something. and there's other ways to also help uh, in long terms. like you can sponsor a child. So, you know, uh, that's what, when I worked with a bunch of the girls earlier this year, they were all sponsorship kids. So these are kids that you're um, helping them go to school, helping them get fed uh, for a year. And it's really, it's not that much when you break it down. It's about $30 a month. Or your community can sponsor a whole school, and that's about $200 for a year. You're helping kids like, get school supplies, um, you know, get them shoes to, to get to school. There's, there's a lot of things that you can do, and it's all, again, on the Science site. Um, th- as well, they, these are more direct grassroots NGOs. So, yes, you can go to the Red Cross, you can go to all these other places, but you'll be able to to the areas the ground. Right now as we speak, the past couple of days, they're amazing. And to all targets, all the coastal towns, and they're giving them, because Christmas is a big thing in the Philippines, because it's mostly Roman Catholic. But they've been working non stop trying to get presents, food, so they can have a decent Christmas. And we're not talking massive meals here just really simple things like a soup and rice so i'm getting quite emotional about it but it's just you know the fact that you know we have so much on this side of the world and i'm thinking about them now that they there's nothing and and you know they're just happy to get every little bit and the fact that they realize that somebody really cares. Somebody's doing something. Because sometimes, you know, when this sort of stuff happens, you can feel so alone and unhelpful, especially when there's no infrastructure. When you have something like Katrina, Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Sandy or even Fukushima, there is a huge infrastructure. There's government. There's social services. And barely anything there. The neighborhood right. that I was in, you know, they were it was created as a neighborhood whose... Previous typhoon, (laughs) building their lives and then visit them, everything's flattened. My homestay mom, you know, I sent her some money and she was so grateful. She, you know, thank you so much. I can now, you know, fix my roof. Like you can help me now literally put a roof over my head. So, it's, you know, and it wasn't a lot, you know, a lot of money because I've been passing it around. So there's so many things. And I know people were, you know, suggesting, you know, great, like so the ones that are the most generous and creative people. They're going, Meg, why don't you do a walk-a-thon or this or that? I would love to do that, but, you know, <laughs> I'm working full-time and all that stuff. So all of those great ideas that you guys have that you were suggesting to me, I think you guys should take action and, and do that. Have a garage sale, have a bake sale, and then sure. send that money over there. Um, it's great for you to suggest things, but I think it, take the action to do it. Um, you know, because I better I a way to do it than, you know, giving me 50 ideas that, that because I'm working, Right, because right. It difficult. can't be
1: done by one person anyway. I mean, no, this is really no, and and take a ton of
2: people. Yes, it, it, it it's a huge it's a huge undertaking, and I think it'll come back to you in in one way or another. That sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, all of my friends who've donated or have helped out. Um, they're just something that feels great about knowing that they're helping and that it's getting directly to people rather than some nebulous place. And if you do donate to the site, please mention um, my name that you've like, you know, you heard it from me or from, you know, the once upon a, once upon a fan or the once upon a time community, and I'm planning, you know, a little something with the community, especially the kids there as a form of gratitude for helping out. Um, And I think it'll be sweet and wonderful and amazing. And, you know, for me, I'm excited, but at the same time, I know when I get there, it's going to be un- unreal. Like um, the U.N., the uh, general director of the U.N. just came by there and he says, just don't forget about the Philippines. He's given that message and that we need to continue because he said it's, he hasn't seen anything like this and he can't compare it to other places. You know, it, it, it was he was. Quite amazed and said it was, you know, it was quite devastating. Um, And I'll make sure to keep you guys connected and and let you know as much as, uh, you know, let you know all the things that are going on there. Um, Yeah, we'll make sure
0: that we keep everything updated on the website and everything too. Um, So, Meg, what are some of the organizations that you're going to be working with while you're on your trip?
2: Okay, so the main organization is called um, Volunteer for the Visayas. Visayas um, is the is the Filipino sort of region for Central Philippines, um, so that's, that's why it's called that. And, and and then the organization, the main the main group that I'm working with is Visayas.org. That's um, you'll see it on the website. And then their sister organization is GoAbroad.org, and they're the ones that organize you know uh, students um, wanting to if they it's their gap. Year year or they, you know, like, you know, there's medical students that want to, you know, get get hands-on experience. They, they organize that sort of stuff. It's a great um, site. It's, they're based out of uh, Colorado, and they've been around for many years, and they've um, based out of Tacloban, which is the city that was hardest hit. They've been there for five or six years, so they know the community, as well there's, um an organization based out of the UK called KayaVolunteer.org, and the amazing thing is, is when this happened, You know, they know each other, they were always constantly helping each other, but now even more so, they've just united and become this one organization and and are helping each other out all the time. Three main organizations. Um and then my blog uh there's two ways to get to it just go to my website migmacario.com and also migaristic um mm-hmm. dot blogspot.ca and i think uh, you guys will have that on the website as well but yes. like um, if you follow me on twitter migmacario or on facebook um, i'm i'm on there posting stuff about about things all the time and you know and i respond and chat back when I when I possibly can uh and yeah I think those are the places you can can reach me and I, in advance and also um, from previous I appreciate all the love and all the support that you guys have been giving towards this and the show like you you guys are part of the magic and let's keep you know this great experience going it's something I don't know. I I don't know if you like maybe Amy, yourself. I don't know. uh, I'm I'm not going to ask your age, but uh, you know, you said the Disney nights, you know, Sunday night, You know, it was was watching Wonderful World of Disney. Wonderful World of Disney. Yes,
1: Wonderful World of Disney. I'm in my thirties. Yeah, (laughs) so Sunday night has always been Disney night for us. So having once upon a time, and now I get to share it with my kids. I have you know, Mick. You know, Jacob. And I have my stepchildren on the weekends. Aw, he'll be listening. He'll be like, oh. So I have my stepkids, Tyler and Anna, now, too. So on Sunday night, you know, I grew up watching, you know, the Disney. And then now we have this to share as a family. Mm -hmm. And it's just been – I think it's amazing, though, that at its core, no matter what, you know, the sub-storylines or what's going on. The show is about hope, and I feel like yep. it has mm-hmm. inspired that in the yeah. Monster fan community. I feel like people, I mean, we, Zach and I always call it our Once Upon a Family, all these thousands of people from around the world who were brought together, yes. and they can be a force to do something good, and I really think this cause of typhoon relief can be a good example, because Unfortunately, it is true a lot of times out of sight, out of mind, and our news is not really covering it right now, but out of sight is definitely not gone. I mean, I live in Florida, Mm -hmm. and thank goodness I haven't had a catastrophic hurricane, but few where we've had last minute, and you're panicked, and you're looking around your house thinking, Mm -hmm. what can I put in my trunk that I absolutely Mm -hmm. can't live without, so you end up you know, you take the photo albums, if you can, and then, yeah. you know, we were lucky. We, like, lost the roof, but I can't, I think anybody with kids or just anybody who, you know, is thinking about these children over there, you know, can you imagine if you've got Christmas coming up or whatever holiday you celebrate, and you, mm-hmm. you know, this is supposed to be a time of happiness, and because of this tragedy, these children have nothing, and not not yeah. even just toys. Meg was letting us know for our listeners, we're talking about things not just that they're not going to have toys. These people need basic things. They need, yeah. you know, clean water, um, hygiene supplies, soap, acetaminophen, yeah. you know, very basic things, and it's just, really heart-wrenching i mean it makes me want to cry just even thinking about it so i know mm-hmm. that our onceer community can definitely pull together and and make a difference for these people i really believe that they can yeah
0: definitely yeah, I mean, if, think they, that if the be, evil regals just... can have a if the evil <laughs> regals can have a 30-day challenge that can help lana quit smoking then i think we can get together and do something for the philippines i'm just saying
2: <laughs> exactly. Thank you, guys, and, and, and help the community. Wouldn't that be a great legacy to leave? Like, you know, we hope that the show um, goes on for 10, 20 years, but wouldn't that even be a great legacy to leave 100 years from now that, you know, there's this group of fans that got together and, you know, some, ki- some young kid from the Philippines remembers that, you know, a group of people helped.
1: Right, to get yeah, because that will be with you yeah. forever. You know that's yeah that, if you help somebody, I'm a big believer in karma, but and i I believe mm-hmm. you know we should be putting as much positivity out there, and I'm huge into random acts of kindness and things like that, mm-hmm. and i real i mean I feel like you might think that it's just one little thing that you've done for somebody, but to that person, that could be the world to them. I mean, one small mm-hmm. act of kindness can change everything, and they'll remember that mm-hmm. forever. That they won't remember, you know, there's a quote about people not remembering what you say, but they remember how you make them feel.
2: And uh, that, that's one of my favorite quotes. It's Maya Angelou. It's amazing, and it's yeah, true.
1: It's, I love that quote, and it is true, because, you know, some of the most poignant moments are wordless, and it's what you do and what you choose to put out with your life and what you, you know, do to make it a better place for everybody. So definitely. Um, Yeah, and it
0: totally, and this plays into the theme of the show, even as far as giving people hope and inspiring people, but also just for everybody who's listening, you know, just take a moment to think about the fact that, you know, at some point when you're thinking back on the story of your life, there's going to be this once-upon-a-time chapter. And within that chapter, I don't – I mean, I'll speak for myself. I know that I want it uh-huh. to be full of nothing but positivity and love and doing good things. And so when we all look back on the stories of our lives, having the opportunity to help in this way will be something that, you know, nobody can take that from us as a once-upon-a-family. So – and, you know, to relate it back to the everyday stuff yeah. that Andy was mentioning –
3: You know, everybody,
0: if you go and you look in your medicine cabinet and you have, you know, cough syrup and, you know, Tylenol and, you know, spare razor blades and, you know, maybe an air freshener, deodorant, toothpaste, that kind of a thing, the people in the Philippines don't have any of that. They don't have, you know, they hardly have any clothes, you know, I mean, and think about, you know, other things too, like... You know, if they're walking around, they're going to need socks and shoes, and they they don't have anywhere they can go get those kinds of things. I mean, basic essentials that humans need to survive, these people don't have. So, you know, for myself, I live in Seattle. We're a big coffee town here. You know, one cup of coffee, like Meg was saying, it's only $5, but that $5 will feed an entire family for a week. So as you're going through your day and, you know, you're enjoying your holiday and everything this year, as you're receiving all of those gifts, Think about how you can re-gift in another way to the people of the Philippines because they really need it.
1: Definitely. I think I'm, we're so excited to get this up on the the fan site and to be able to share this information. So I personally am hoping, sorry, I'm still feeling a little emotional. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping to, if we can afford it, to sponsor a child and if, we can't quite swing that, then we're still going to raise some money as a family and send some, some things over. So, yeah, I definitely definitely want to get involved, and I hope a lot of other Oncers do as
0: well. Yeah, Meg, thank you very much for, for joining us. It looks like we actually may have lost him on the Skype connection. Um, so I'm not sure if you're going to be able to call back in or not, Meg, but... Um, Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today about you know, the typhoon relief that you're doing and everything else. And again, everybody, all of the links and everything, all of the information that you've heard tonight, we will have all of that up on the uh, Once Upon a Fan podcast page. I believe we're going to have some information about it on the main Once Upon a Fan page, too. So if you're looking for more information you didn't have a chance to write it down, don't worry, we will be doing all of that for you. We've got it covered. So please don't worry about any of that. Thank you again to Meg for joining us. Sorry that we lost the Skype connection there towards the end, but um yeah, we're glad that we were able to speak with you even briefly so um so now that that has been you know discussed and we've got you know the oncester community hopefully starting to move some things around and get some action going on, um I guess we go back to our uh our regularly scheduled programming i don't know is that a term we can use on this? I don't know I suppose um. So, yeah, just really quick at the end, if we can, you know, want to talk about the end of uh, the Once Upon a Time show, um, you know, the curse happened, Emma and Henry believe they've been together forever, and, you know, the Once Upon a Time book, Henry storybook, was in Storybrooke when the new curse happened, so it's a question of where the book's going to go from here um, too. so that's another lingering question, and then also, you know, at the end, Hook showed up a year later and said Emma's family needs her because they're in danger, so... You know, lots to uh, <laughs> lots to come, and then of course we all saw the promo where everybody in Storybrooke is back in the forest, and you know, Belle and Emma are both in the Storybrooke Town Hall, and Storybrooke isn't supposed to exist. So, you know, really curious to see what's going to happen with all that too.
1: Me too. I don't. I mean, ugh. obviously Emma's going to have to remember, and then something's going to have to happen because Belle is going back to fairy tale land and yet in the promo we get a peek where, you know, there are people back in Storybrook again, and Belle is one of them. So something is definitely going to happen. I'm excited to see though that it looks like they're going to um their memories, you know, pretty for Emma that she's going to acquire her memories pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I I need her to I mean, I kinda I love how they're we're kind of going back to the first season, and, you know, we have to get Emma to believe again. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously it's not going to take another full season to make that happen. Um, it does seem, it does look like she's going to, you know, kind of remember things pretty quickly. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I can't wait for March 9th. That is when, you know, the show will be coming back from hiatus. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait. It's just, it's feel. I mean, I'm glad that we're doing the podcast on Sundays, to be honest, because I really can't. I mean, the void is, it's a very large, curse-filled void that has been left. So for the next few weeks, it's going to be really exciting to look back on some of those past episodes.
2: So yeah. we've only got about
0: half an hour or so left, and we want to make sure that we talk about the Wonderland Winter Finale, too, because there was a lot that happened in that episode. And since Amy is our resident Alice in Wonderland expert, she is going to lead the discussion. So, Amy, you have the floor.
1: This episode, the last couple of episodes of Wonderland, have been kind of dark, as you know. You guys have noticed. I know we had the episode that Jane wrote, and that kind of started this this trend of the episodes being darker. Well, this time we got you know a Tweedle's head in a box, which was something uh, a little bit new. And I don't know, it's just the story unfolded so good, and I found it really interesting that when it came down to it, we finally learned what Anastasia's Endgame was and Jafar, and both of them, neither one of them are about wanting, you know, power and prestige and all of these things. They are both wanting love and acceptance and that, at its very, very basic form, and I thought that was just a huge twist this week. Did you see that coming with Jafar and with Anastasia's act?
0: I didn't see it coming with Jafar. I kind of, I mean, I assumed that he wanted to bring someone back from the dead, actually. Um, mm-hmm. for Because for one thing, that's a direct reference to the Aladdin animated film, because that's one of the rules there. But um, also, I just, it kind of seemed like i it made me wonder... You know, if he regretted doing, I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought he just wanted to, you know, bring someone back from the dead. I was not really that surprised that, you know, Anastasia, the Red Queen, wanted to get Will to love her. I kind of figured that that was the case, but, um, but I don't know. I find I'm, I find their story so tragic, and I can't really, and I don't really know why because. But, well, I mean, because it is. That's why. Um, but, yeah, I just, I find their, <laughs> I find their story so tragic. And, also, and like, I love the scene at the end. And, and forgive me for not going through it chronologically. But when they're at the end, she's, she's pleading with Alice and Will to listen to her and Cyrus, too. And she's saying, please, I'm telling the truth. We've got to go. Like, the desperation in her yes. voice and just, I mean, she, just her, in everything, her her body language, everything, she was so desperate, like, please, we've got to leave, we've got to escape this, whatever it is. Um, and she
1: even I dropped really, I felt that for really her a regal lot. accent. Yeah. yeah, you know how she, she usually talks very meticulous in that regal accent? She even dropped it, yeah. and, you know, she was so desperate, she went, she was talking in her real voice. And, I mean, the huge tragedy of that is, you know, she doesn't want to just make him love her. She wants to change the past. She wants to go back to her mistake of choosing to be a queen and, and choosing that over Will. And the tragic part is that Will, no matter what she says at this point, he can't love her because he does not have his heart. And that was mentioned in a previous episode which I still think is going to tie in with Cora because we heard before Barbara Hershey is coming to Wonderland. She's going to be in Episode 11 of Queen of Hearts. Somehow she has something to do with that heart missing, and I know he talked in this episode about it being hidden, and I really, to me, that's the tragic part. No matter what she says or does, unless the laws of magic do change and she can change the past, he's never going to be able to love her again, no matter how sorry she is or what she does to try and make it up to him because his heart's not there. And on a side note, I think because of the comment that he made about that little wagon they lived in being a good place to hide things that were important, I think that is where his heart is hidden. But we'll see how that works (laughs)
0: out. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I can't wait to see. I kind of have a feeling that, you know, we're going to be getting flashbacks with Cora for when the Nave's heart was missing the first time and Alice had to help him get it back. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, that's what I'm anticipating at least. But, um, it's, yeah, it, it really is just really sad that he does not, he's, like you said, he cannot love her because he doesn't have his heart. And it's even like, and really the tragedy on it too is that it's only missing because of her, because he you know, he didn't put it back because of what he was feeling over her. So it's like this really vicious cycle that I think honestly does speak true of a lot of different, you know, relationships with people. I mean, I know I've had a couple of friends who, you know, for one reason or another, they've been with somebody they really cared about and their relationship had to end. And then they realized it was a mistake and they wanted to go back and they couldn't. I mean, I think that, I think everybody can relate to that on some level. So, you know, yeah, I I just really found that to be so, hor- I mean, yeah, like you said, that's really the tragedy of it all is that he doesn't have his heart. So, I, I mean, I can't wait to see where it's going to go from here, just like if anything else. But um, Will and Anastasia are definitely two of my favorite characters in the Once Upon a Time universe, period. I mean, across both shows, you know, those two are, I mean, they're almost up there with, you know, Emma and Neil and Snow and Charming for me, so...
1: Yeah. I loved it. I loved that the knave came up to Alice and he's like, "Sorry, I, you know, I was late. The nature was calling." And she's like, she looks at him and she says, "Really? What did it say when it called?" And he's like, "Uh, nothing. You want to hear? Nothing you want to <laughs> hear?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh! I was, I was just like, so he. um uh, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yes.
1: The episode was so funny, and then it was so tragic in the end. But some other things I noticed. We keep seeing compasses, like, I feel like it started with Pirates of the Caribbean, and then we had the compass in Once Upon a Time, and now we had a compass in this episode of Wonderland, and it basically does the same thing. It points the way to what you want most, and Cyrus made the point of saying that up until a few years ago, it had always pointed in the direction that his mother was, and that's when we learned that Cyrus had been human. He had not always been a genie, which when we first started the podcast, I mentioned to you that he had said something like, you can't just wish a genie free. It doesn't turn out well for either party. So I had assumed that that's what had happened to him. He wished somebody free and got in the bottle.
3: But now
1: I'm dying to know where his mom is, what all happened. And since this, at this Wine of Wonderland is running concurrent with Season 2 of Once Upon a Time. I wonder if when the compass just started spinning and stopped pointing the direction of his mother, if his mother got stuck to Storybrooke with the curse. That was my first thought. Maybe that's why he couldn't. Yeah, what Maury said was his mother caught up in the curse and ended in Storybrooke, and that's why the compass couldn't find her that is exactly
0: what i think happened. Yeah, it was um i i love that idea. I think that it's got some weight especially because the story began in Storybrook. Haha. Mm-hmm. So, um so yeah, i i i just i love that idea and also, you know, i really and going back to something that we've discussed on previous podcasts too, the fact that we think that Anastasia is Cinderella's stepsister, Anastasia. Yeah. Um you know, like that, like, I mean, I'm, and wouldn't it be, I mean, I'm wondering who like Will Scarlet's mom could be. And I really hope, I really hope that she like wears red or that she has red hair maybe because certainly, I mean, she's, you know, she's Will Scarlet's mom. So can we make sure that she has some kind of red on her please? Just, be, I mean, just because <laughs> and I'm trying to think if there's, you know, anybody that it could be. And yeah, like, it makes me curious, you know, about, I mean, yeah, because, oh, my God, I love the way these two shows are, are connected I in know. that way. I mean, it, it's, clear, I mean it's clear now mom. that there are so many ties. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, and Cyrus's mom, I've been racking my brain, too, because if she was stuffed into Storybrooke by the curse, now I'm going through all these characters in my head thinking, okay, who can this woman be? Who Who's going to be Cyrus's mom? Because there's just so many possibilities. And the writers have teased that there are more crossovers between Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland coming up. So we will be seeing some more uh, crossovers coming. And in the chat room, Nick says, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, Nick News, Nick? Anyway, Nick says that it would be amazing to see if the shows sync together at some point. I 100% agree, and I think... Even if it doesn't, I don't think it's going to sink into one show, but I think that the storylines are going to end up merging somehow, and there's going to be some definite concurrent stuff going on because they, the writers have teased it multiple times that there's going to be some more major crossovers happening. So, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. And we've mentioned before, Wonderland is not a multi-season show. It's more of a miniseries. It was only ever intended to be one season. So at the end of this season, if they've already got all this crossover, they could easily bring some of the character on a time to become permanent members of the yeah. neighbor <coughs> <So. Native hearts>. of <coughs>
0: hearts. native of hearts.
1: Name of hearts, yes. I
0: to, <laughs> sorry, I had to clear my throat there. I some, uh, had something stuck in it. My bad. My apologies, everybody. <coughs> native of hearts. <coughs> no. Sorry, okay. Mm. So
1: Now he's in a predicament too, though, because at the end, because of the wish, that Alice made a few episodes ago that if the Knave died, she died too. And she did that a few episodes ago so that Jafar couldn't just kill the Knave. Well, when he got struck by the lightning from that storm that was supposed to kill Anastasia, and, you know, it bounced off the lamp, the lamp went rolling, and he got hit. Well, he's laying there dying, and then Alice falls dying So that's how, you know, that wish connected them. And then the Knave remembered that that third and final wish didn't actually belong to Alice anymore because she promised him that if he helped her reunite with Cyrus, as soon as she was with Cyrus again, that wish would belong to the Knave. And that's what happened. She was reunited this week with Cyrus. That wish went to the Knave. Instead of wishing to save them, he wished for Alice's suffering to be over. And part of her suffering was that she couldn't be with the one she loved. So they were healed, and Cyrus was released from the bonds of being a genie. But then everybody looks around, and the Knave is gone. He is now the genie. He's in the bottle, and he's bound. So I don't know how they're going to get him out of that
0: yeah especially since it was going over a waterfall at last Yeah. <laughs> few. so you know it's it is interesting and i i oh man i have some i i love okay well first of all too okay, can we just say that whoopi Goldberg as the you know the white rabbit's wife uh loved it um mm-hmm. I just thought it was just because I love Big Goldberg, and she already has, you know, a Disney history because she was the voice of one of the hyenas in the Lion King. So yeah. um, I was, you know, happy to hear her voice. I'm a big fan of hers, and so that was really fun. And, and I kind of love too, and it was almost, I mean, I'm sure it was a small thing, and it's very subtle, but I couldn't help but notice that I love the fact that the white rabbit is married to a black rabbit because it's almost like they're an interracial couple, so to speak.
1: Yes, I thought and, it was so cute.
0: Yeah, I thought it was so, I mean, I thought that was so, I mean, it was just a nice touch showing that even in one, you know, even for the animals, so to speak, there are, you know, different relationships of all kinds. So I just, I thought that that was a really cool little thing that they did. And it was subtle and I'm sure a lot of people may have not even picked up on it, but I definitely did. So I just thought that was cool.
1: There were a lot of little clever things in this episode. I thought that was great. I thought, you know, the lines, with the Knave and Alice and nature calling was really funny. And then, you know, towards the beginning of the episode, when the one Tweedle sees the other Tweedle traying the Red Queen and sees him, you know, giving something to Jafar, and then he's running back to the castle, and he hears something, and it's literally a grapevine. He picks up this grapevine and listens to it. Yeah, and he can hear that Cyrus has been caught up in this, vine trap in the woods, and he's like, oh, okay, thank you, grapevine, and he hangs it up. I was like, oh, my gosh, that Tweedle just literally heard the news through the grapevine. That through was the gra- And grapevine. you know
0: what's so funny is when he goes and he tells Jafar, <sighs> jafar the been he goes, oh, I heard it through the grapevine. I immediately heard the song in my head. I heard yeah. it through the grapevine. And like, did you see my the dancing for my in singing, your head but, Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I just kept thinking the dancing raisins when I saw that. I was Yes, like, oh, exactly.
0: No. Somebody <laughs> knew the California raisins, like, it needs to happen. Like, it's just, yeah, I thought that was just, that was a great touch, too. I thought it was hilarious.
1: Uh, love it. Love it. Yeah, and the Tweedles, I don't know. That guy's head was still going in the box, but uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to get it reattached because, you know, Jafar is furious and he's storming through the castle looking for Anastasia and, lifts up that, you know, she left him a present, was like, oh, look, that's his present, it's early. He lifts up the box, and the Tweedle's head looks at him and says, oh, I think she's on to us." so, yeah. yeah, and then he gets so furious that he destroys my favorite prop, my favorite scenery, I don't know, far, time out, I love that chess castle, and he went and blew all kinds of stuff up, so, I don't know. He's going to have to go on work release or something and fix it back up because I love (laughs) that castle. (laughs) That's Yeah, I mean, it's
0: so cool. And you know what else I love, too, that little moment where, you know, the Tweedle gives Anastasia the news, and then she goes, okay, now go away before I kill the messenger. And it was just like, okay, it was another just, you know, a play on – you know, a familiar phrase of, you know, don't kill the messenger, like, and she was about to, like, it was just, I just thought that was, the dialogue on Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I think is, it's, it's really witty, I mean, it's really quick, and I really, I think that's one of the aspects of the, of that show that I enjoy the most, is that it is, you know, it has a a real tongue-in-cheek humor to it, like, you know, with the nature calling, and the grapevine, and killing the messenger, like, it has a good sense of humor about itself, and I, I really enjoy that about Wonderland.
1: Yeah, And a lot of it's really clever, too, and in a subtle way that it doesn't, like, throw it in your face, like, ha-ha, did you get that we just said this? You know, it's like you have to be watching and listening, and you're like, oh. I mean, from the very first episode, I have really thought that the writing was very clever, and I really love the way that the writers have handled it. And it's not just one writer. I mean, we have uh, several writers that are working on Wonderland, this project, so it's it's just been really great, the writing. I love it. I can't wait to see what happens in the rest of the season. Because it comes back the same week. Oh, Maury mentioned the clothes horse. Yes. And then the Nave asking yeah. for the coffee horse. I'm like, yes, please. I, I'll take one of each. But this Wonderland comes back the same week that Once does. So that Thursday we'll get Wonderland, and then the following Sunday we'll get Once Upon a Time. So I'm so glad that they're going to be coming back and we can find out what is going on and where these crossovers are happening and who the heck Cyrus' mother is, it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I can't, like, I can't wait for it to come back. Um, I mean, really, for both of them, the hiatus is going to be, I mean, I'm, I know for sure, I mean, for, you know, I've got some theories that I think I might want to write, and, you know, I've been... Well, earlier this year I was doing a series of articles about, the, you know, what the color red means as far as symbolism on the show, and I think that I'll be working on some more of that too to try to finish that up because there's been a lot more to go along with what I'm writing about on that. So I, I know I'll be working on some other stuff for the, for the site for the hiatus, but um, obviously we're still going to have the podcast too. Um, we've got about 15 minutes left, and I just want to make sure that there wasn't anything else about either show that we wanted to discuss um, because I don't have any more notes here, except to say that the ending of once upon a time was just, phew, Oh my gosh. Um, I, I mean, in my, in my opinion, I think that this episode going home was, I mean, it, I think it is the best episode of the show that they've done so far. Um, and I, I have a hard time saying that because I've got a couple of other favorites of mine, like Manhattan and lost girl. And um you know, a few other ones like the cricket game. But this one really just went above and beyond anything that I thought was going to happen with the characters and the story. So I think that this has taken my my number one spot for the best episode of the whole show.
1: Yeah, it's definitely up there. I, I think I cried more in this one than, because I'm usually pretty good. I might miss up, but I don't get uh, too, you know, sobby about it. You know, collapse into, into the one,
0: ugly cry? Yeah. Because yeah, I had I the, ugly I'm not, the ugly cry, I mean, guy. I have to admit, I had the ugly cry. Oh yeah, I did. When Snow puts her hands on Emma's face and kisses her, in that scene, it was just like, okay, I'm done. Like I actually stopped live tweeting at that point because I I couldn't keep up with it. Like my fingers couldn't move fast enough. I couldn't really put my emotions into words at the time, so I just let it go. I cu- I couldn't even keep going with it.
1: Oh, Juniper seven two eight. This was something I wanted to mention too in the chat room. Is mentioning that in that scene where Emma is back in New York at the end, and she doesn't remember, they oh, used the yeah. Reed song Charlie's Girl, and that was the song from Broken, the episode that started this whole, you know, him with Neil getting that postcard that said Broken, and when he was walking before he got back to his house and dropped his iPod, That was the song that was playing, and I loved that they used the same one. And I also loved that Emma's alarm clock was set for 8.15. Goes off
3: at
0: 8.15, yep.
1: Yes. Love, 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 love love little details like that.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great. And I thought it was so, you know, like seeing them together, like Emma and Henry together, like, you know, in their apartment, you know, she's cooking in breakfast. Don't forget the cinnamon on the hot chocolate. You know, like yes. just the, it is it's all those small little details that are extremely important, and they don't even know it. Like, mm. I love that, and you know, too, something that I've been thinking about. You know, I've been kind of wondering what's going to happen when Emma finally remembers, and all that. But what's going to happen, like, when Henry remembers too? Like, how is yeah. he going to? How is he going to feel? Like, you know, especially since he was mentioning in the last episode that he didn't think that Emma loved him when, mm. you know, when. The Mary Margaret gave him the book, so it's like, is there going to be, you know, because now Henry has a cursed personality almost too. So it's like, what's that going to mm-hmm. do to Henry as a character? What will that do to the relationship that him and Emma have built over the last year? While they've been living, you know, their new life. Like, I'm really, I mean, there, there's so many consequences to the curse again. That it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, God, I can't wait. Why is it March 9th again? This is just crap. I know, I know.
1: Now, I did want to clarify. I know it seems like everybody in our chat room realizes this, but I had a lot of people asking on Twitter and on Facebook about, you know, how did Emma know to name him Henry, blah, 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 how did this happen, you know, questions about that. Emma, just so everybody, you know, understands what happened, Emma did not actually keep Henry. That scene was showing the memory that Regina put into her mind. So now Emma's what happened. She thinks she kept Henry and that they've had this whole life. So that was not what really happened. You know, Storybrooke and Emma giving him up, all of that is what really happened. But Regina changed. Right, the past did not change. It was just the way they remember it. So that scene was not – I had a lot of people asking me and commenting saying, how did Emma know to name him Henry if she kept him all this time now? But she didn't keep him. She still gave him away. She just thinks she kept him now. So.
0: Yeah. And, I, and another thing, too, because I heard this discussion that was happening as well. Um, mm mm-hmm. The, like, why? how did Emma know to still name Henry, Henry? Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Regina put memories in their brains, so she naturally put the memory into Emma's head that his name is Henry. And that's why what his name is Henry? Henry, even though she doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another thing, too, speaking of, because it's a parallel that I just think is too delicious for words, when Regina realizes what the cost is, and it's that scene in the street where she realizes that she has to say goodbye to the things she loves most, that is another direct parallel to when she originally put in the curse because she had to say goodbye to her father, Henry, and kill him in order to enact it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now she's having to say goodbye to her son, Henry, to like stop the curse from happening again. And yet she's using the very curse that she killed her father for to stop the new one. I mean, it was just that whole thing. I, I loved it. I just,
3: it was yeah. just, like I said, it I was just that delicious. I love when
1: stuff comes full circle. That was a big coming full circle. And more just mentioned, too, people asked why Neil didn't leave with Emma. Everybody that wasn't born in our world had to go back where they were from except Emma. She's the only one that didn't apply to because of the fact that she was the savior, the product of true love, and that she her you know, she was written into that scroll to be the savior. So that was the only reason Emma didn't have to go back to the forest too. Because I've had that question a lot too. Why Neil? didn't Neil just stay Yeah. Why didn't Neil stay? Because he he was from the Enchanted Forest. He had to go back. So Emma yeah, which originally say. that was
0: my that was my thing because I mean you know I'm a big Swan Queen or Swan I'm a big Swan Fire Shipper oh my God um, and so I really was like why didn't Neil just get in the car and go with them but then when I was thinking about it I realized that if he had like since everybody who was there had to go back if Neil had gotten in the car and gone with them that could have possibly undone what Regina was trying to do and they would have all been cursed anyway with Pan's mm-hmm. curse so. You know, the, in the, in that so once I kind of understood that or accepted that to be the kind of logic that had to work for the whole thing, then you know now I understand why he, he had to stay. But originally I was like, um, Neil, buddy, dude, good friend <laughs> get or, in the
3: car, get in the car. <laughs> like exactly, <laughs> like
0: the three of you need to go get in the car now, please, like please. But then that would have been something because then he would have remembered and they wouldn't, and it would have just been a whole mess and. Yeah, so there's that. but So, yeah, I understand why he didn't go, but that was I, that was one of the first questions that I had, and I discussed it privately with the staff, too, is why didn't Neil get in the car? Like, they mm. give Emma her happy ending, even if it's temporary. But, you know, happy endings aren't always what you think they will be, and it's possible that Emma being a single mother is actually her happy ending. But I know that's not true. She needs to be with Neil. <clears throat> anyway.
1: so um <laughs> see her we've on a her journey to the dress.
0: Yeah, ex- yes, exactly, on her on journey to the him. dress. And another thing, too, because I, I can't help but remember this, too. Emma, does. she still does not have her swan necklace, the necklace with the swan in it. She still doesn't have it. And right. I really can't wait because I – and I'm hoping that this is what happens for that moment in, you know, p- towards the end of season three when Neil gives it back to her and she's kind of, you know – it's kind of come full circle for her. Like I'm hoping, like I'm hoping that that's the case. He either gives it to her when they finally, you know, she finds her way back, and she's kind of sure of herself, or you know, if they end up getting married in the end, then I kind of want him to give it to her like at their wedding because I, you know, I just think that would be so awesome. But yeah, she does not still have, you know, her her swan right. necklace, and I don't think I don't think we're gonna see that return until Emma is, you know. Like kind of going into what Snow said before she had to go—that it's time for her to believe in herself and to believe in hope and those things. I think that mm-hmm. when Emma finally does believe in that and she has that, you know, belief, I think that's when she'll finally end up with the necklace again. That's just—that's just what I think.
1: Yeah, I would love to see that pop up as part of Emma's eventual wedding and wearing Snow White's dress and. You know, it looks like swan feathers, and it's just perfect. I'd like to see all of that.
0: Yeah, so that's that's what I want. That's what I want to see, and I, I still haven't decided whether or not I want Emma to be queen of the Enchanted Forest or if I want Henry to be king um, because, you know, I mean, King Henry, I mean, he's not the eighth per se, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's still pretty, I mean, it's still funny. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on that, but, yeah. So we do have a couple of minutes left. Um, which I think will give us enough time to take a caller. And I just want to mention the thing about calling in too. Um, for the duration of the podcast so far, we have not been able to take in callers one week or another because of a lot of technical issues. And we were going to you know, try and get some more callers in tonight, but because of our segment with Meg, we weren't able to. So I want to make sure that everybody knows that we are going to be changing the format of the podcast from here on out. Uh, from now on, like when we do the episode reviews and then when the show comes back as well, We're going to make sure that we have specific talking points for you guys every week and that as we're talking about them, if you want to call in and discuss that particular subject, then you can do so. And so that way we can kind of conduct it as more of a radio show and not, you know, just um, me and Amy talking because we do want to make sure that we give all of the Oncers out there a chance to express themselves too. Um, And we want to interact with you guys more and make sure that, you know, we get a chance to talk to you about what you think is going on. So So starting on January 5th...
1: Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, so definitely also follow the new Twitter handle and the Facebook page because we're going to be looking to those things for a lot of talking points and things that you guys want to bring up and talk about on the podcast. So um, just make sure you go back and follow those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's we do want to make sure we interact more. We are called Once Upon a Fan. So as big a fans of the show as we are, and as much as we could talk about it, we know from our experience at Enchanticon and Twitter and everything else, we know that there are a lot of other people out there who want to talk about the show too. So we want to make sure that we start getting you guys more engaged. So like Amy said, make sure you watch our social media pages for, you know, um, not only the announcements of what kind of things we want to talk about, but also, you know, feel free to use them as a way to get in touch with us and let us know what, you know, kind of things that you want to talk about. Um, again, just to refresh everyone's memory on this too, we will not be having a podcast next week because Amy and I are taking a holiday break. But we will be coming back on January. Oh God, what's today? Yeah, fifth? Yeah, January fifth. At the um, same time, five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern. And we are going to be doing a. It's only going to be a one-hour show during the hiatus. I want to make sure we mention that too because I don't think we did. We're going to cut the show just down to an hour. The reason why is because. We can't speculate as much on what's going to happen because we already know a lot of the outcomes of these things. So we're just okay. going to get it down to an hour so we have a chance to talk about it more. Um, but for that show, we're going to be watching, again, the pilot and The Thing You Love Most because it does play like a two-part episode. And, you know, the second half really does go... I mean, it's basically Regina's half of the story after she leaves the wedding. So, you know, those two episodes really go well together. So that's going to be our review i um, you know, going to keep an eye out for Easter eggs and that kind of thing. And if you want to join in on the discussion, you know, we've all seen those episodes a lot, but if you want to rewatch it, you know, beforehand and give us some talking points, you know, please do, because we really do want to hear from you guys.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I'm so excited. That pilot episode, just one little hidden Easter egg that was in it was there was a mini Mouse, a stuffed mini Mouse, in Emma's nursery yeah. in the castle. And that, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, yes, there's going to be many Easter eggs. So, and there were. Season one was loaded with them, every episode. So, yeah, yep. definitely. And that
0: was, I think that was part of the fun of of season one, too, was trying to figure out, you know, okay. Like, I remember for, you know, the first part of the season, the big mystery was who is, you know, who is Sheriff Graham in the Enchanted Forest? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was kind of obvious that he was the mm-hmm. husband, but I remember that that was... You know the big question. Um, there was a the question about who August was, and you know, in the, each little episode, like when we see Hansel and Gretel in True North, and you know, the the uh, the blind witch is the one who has the apple. I mean, just really quick to touch on that episode for a second. I just for that moment, I love that it was the fact that the the blind witch who lives in the candy house that's full of all the sugar and everything. Had an apple, which is supposed to be a healthy snack, and that was the most dangerous thing in the whole place. Like that was the thing oh, that was actually going to kill you. No. Not, not the sugar, not That's the ice cream, not the gingerbread. No, none of that. It's actually the nice, healthy, healthy red apple. that I mean, I, it's little stuff like that that we're going to be talking about and you know getting into. So you know, please make sure that you let us know what you guys want to talk about and and give us feedback. And we really want to make sure we get more involved with you guys. So, yeah. That's pretty much it. And we are down to our last minute or so of the show. Uh, Amy, do you have any last points you want to go
1: over? No, just remember to follow the new Twitter handle, which is O-U-A-F Podcast with no space. So that stands for Once Upon a Fan Podcast. And then on Facebook, it's Once Upon a Fan Podcast is the page. So that's where we'll have all the links for news and things that we talk about, um, things that happen in the chat rooms that you guys mentioned, Um, anything that you want to get to us for us to talk about on the podcast or ask us, you can go through those pages. We're also going to link up to those organizations that MIG talked about tonight for helping the typhoon relief. Those will be on there as well. So we're going to definitely keep active on those new pages, so I hope everybody will go over and follow along so we can really get you guys involved in the podcast.
0: Yeah. We've got about 10 seconds left, so I'm going to take this opportunity to wrap it up. Everybody, thank you very much for listening, and thank you again to Meg Macario for joining us and talking about Typhoon Relief. We're really happy to help spread the word on that. Thank you for your time tonight, Meg. Yes.
1: Yes, thank you. Good night.
0: Good night, everybody.